Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. Today we're going to talk about COVID from a partner or spouse's perspective. I told you last week that I'm finally back from uh, from my COVID ballot bout, and I told you I'd have my wife on this week. I'm able to get her here. She's <laughs> extremely busy, so this isn't going to be a live. This is going to be recorded. And all. So if you're watching this on Monday uh, on Facebook, that's why. It's not live because she's extremely busy, and I'm just grateful that she's here, my wife, Kathy. Um, she's been through a lot with me. She's been, we've been married 21 years, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. A little been bit married, extra. <laughs> <laughs> we've been married 38 years, and, and uh, she's been through a whole lot with yeah. me. We've been a whole, through a whole lot with each other um, as well. Um, when it comes to, to health in 2007, I was in a coma for a couple of weeks because I went septic, and she was by my bedside every day and um, took a leave of absence when I got transferred to UCLA. So she's she's been through a lot with me. Um, and then this bout of COVID was a little tougher for her. Yeah. Um, she's a really strong woman. She's a good, strong woman of God. She loves me unconditionally. We have our differences, but mm-hmm. that's what makes us such a good couple. Um, so, I mean... I got it. You've had it. Yeah. The crazy part is that I had it in August. And the weekend prior to me having my positive, all of us, including our kids and grandkids, were together. Yet I was the only one that got it. So here we're thinking, phew, we would have all gotten it at that time. But no, that wasn't the case. Um, It was almost a month later. That was in August. That was in August. And then in September, about a month later... You started having symptoms. We sat down at the dinner table and you said, is it cold in here or is it just me? And he goes to grab a sweatshirt in early September. We live in the desert. It's very hot still. So I said, no, it's not cold in here. And I touched your neck. And as I touched your neck, I thought, oh, my gosh, you are on fire. And something just told me, okay, this is this is where we're going with this. So um, that was on a Monday night. I had a fever of 100. You had a fever, probably 101, off and on, chills. And, and some we've talked about and told other people, something about COVID. You know yeah. when you have COVID. There, there's absolutely no questioning it. You know for certain. And it's really hard because there's so many different people that have so many different symptoms. Yeah. But everybody I've talked to, including ourselves, it was like, you know, you know, you know. It's different than anything you've ever had before. So on Tuesday, I took off early. I was going to take some time off, and I picked up a home test and came home and tested him, and there was our positive. So that was a Tuesday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Our daughter-in-law started feeling symptoms Tuesday afternoon, tested positive. Our son on Wednesday. Our son-in-law on Thursday, and our daughter on 
Sunday, all tested positive. So here we were a month prior altogether. I was the only one that got it. Then a month later, the rest of them got it. So we were on a COVID mission since I was the healthy one. I was the one that went around and picked up the food and the medicine and the vitamins and all the stuff. And I made my deliveries to all my kids' houses. Yep. While Randy just sat in bed, freezing, body <laughs> aches, <laughs> sleeping, very lethargic at that point. Right. And then on Sunday, yeah, right, Sunday. Sunday is when all of a sudden my breathing got really labored. The fever had broke. Right, because I went mm-hmm. in the hospital with no fever. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You get a fever that day, though, when yeah. you went to urgent yeah. care, definitely. Yeah, and um, my my uh, ox- oxygen concentration was at 85%. Yeah. And now we're fortunate. We have um, uh, a friend that's a therapeutic, I mean, I'm sorry, respiratory a respiratory therapist. therapist at Desert Hospital. And mm-hmm. Kathy and her are like sisters. So yeah. they got on the phone and said, get him into urgent care. So from there, we went to urgent care. Yep. And I think what happened was is they <laughs> – Let they, me tell the story. You tell the story. <laughs> so I walked in without him because I thought I don't want to bring him in if, if they can't treat him. So I walked in and I said, can you treat somebody who's COVID positive? And they said, yes, how old is he? And I said, he's 63, 64. I, I can't remember right now. They said, well, if his oxygen levels are below 90%, we're going to call an ambulance for him. And I'm like, oh, geez, we don't need an ambulance. I, I'm an ambulance. I can drive. So I went back out to the car. I told Randy. I said, here's the situation. So he goes in by himself, decides to go in, goes in by himself, gives him the insurance card. They do all the write-up and stuff, ask all the questions. Well, what we found out later when they did release him back to me to take him to, to Desert Regional is they had put down that he was 54, not 64, so I think that saved him an ambulance Yeah, ride. <laughs> Thank God. I didn't want to go on an ambulance. Yes, then I'd be fine. arguing with them where to take me. Right, exactly. You know, so, so it worked out best. So I'm glad that so, God yeah. had us covered there. <laughs> so then I mean, as, soon as, as soon as you get to desert, I go up, check in at the uh, emergency room thing. And immediately it's outside, outside they're, it's all outside. And immediately they say, my wife's got to go. So she's out in the car waiting to hear what's going on. I'm sitting there by myself. And... I don't know, it was only about an hour. It wasn't that long. It was probably 20 minutes, and they yeah. had you in, inside. Yeah. Well, then they took me in, and that's when the isolation started. So um, at one point, you know, they, they I didn't have a call button, so I'm in there for probably two, three hours, and I'm dying. Of, well, I'm not dying, but I'm dying of thirst, so to speak. And nobody's coming in to check on me. So there's an empty little tiny four-ounce water bottle. And I go, well, that's one way to get their attention. <laughs> so I grabbed the water bottle and I waited for people to start walking by my room. And I tossed it at the at the door just to get their attention. And these two nurses went off. Oh, my God, he's throwing stuff at us. Oh, what are we going to do? It's like, oh, my God. But it, it all resolved. Just wanted okay. your attention. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all I wanted. So I think it was right at the shift change around 7 o'clock. That's right. It was you, when you, that you went up to a room? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until like 10 o'clock at night. Oh, that yeah. You, yeah, because you got there about 1. Oh, so it was about man. 10 o'clock at night that they got you upstairs to a room. Right. And uh, got you all situated and checked in. And the thing about it there, when you go into the isolation, no doctor. I didn't, I didn't talk to one doctor. Not up one. to your bed, close to your bed. 
a tour. No, no doctor came into your room. Yeah, your I, I never talked to a doctor, period. Oh, you didn't? No, oh, okay. no. It was yeah, only, only was... nurses. So, um, but Kathy was on top of that. So once I got in the hospital, Kathy, what was it like for you? I know that you've been through a lot, but you, we've had some conversations about how mm -hmm. much tougher this was. Yeah, so I think knowing that I couldn't see him, I was kind of okay with that at the beginning. And because I thought I don't want to go into a hospital COVID ward because basically they turned so many floors into COVID wards. When you wards, when you drive around the hospital, you see all these ventilated vents blowing air out of all these rooms. And we're talking, I think it's a four story, four or five I think it's story, four or five stories, yeah. And we're talking floor after floor after floor that you see these. And so that really hit me when I saw those as right. well. But I think it wasn't until. Um, you know, I would talk to the nurse every day. I would get my update. I would call you. And I think the hardest part was you were so sick and not feeling well that when I called, he didn't answer. And I would call again. And then it would be a couple hours later before I would hear from him. Right. And it was partly because he was resting, partly because he just didn't want to talk to anybody. And his mind was at a different place. And I was okay the first couple of days. I think it was the, when I finally said, show me, because we would FaceTime. And I said, show me a picture of your room. Let me see what it looks like. Because he had explained to me that it's not just isolation. It's a regular hospital room. And you have those big doors as you go into a hospital room. But it was closed off with a zipper. And it had a little clear, the zipper was white. The, the main part of it was white. And the little window was a little plastic clear 12 window. By 12. 12 by 12. And so when he showed me his room, <laughs> I thought, oh, my gosh, that's like being in, in a prison cell. And I started hyperventilating for him, knowing, feeling like I just, I would be, I don't think I could do well with that. So I think it affected me no, in would, a way. you would have gone. Yeah. And then he showed me the window to the outside. And it also has this white plastic cover on it. And I'm thinking, how are you supposed to get healthy in right. an environment right. where you're like a mushroom. Right. And um, thank goodness we have our friend, Pastor Paula, who, who works there. And so she was my inside gal. She would, on her shift days and even on her non-shift days, she would pop in there and check on him. She'd come by the house. She'd pick up food, make him eat, because all he would complain about was how oh, horrible the God. food was. Toxic. And I don't know if it was no taste, no smell, no, or was, just horrible you, food, or a combination it, 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 of most all. of it was hockey pucks. Oh, there you go, hockey okay. pucks. Okay, so she would come by the house and, and pick up food and take it to him. She she got crackers and bananas and waters and. But the first meal was sushi. Yeah. And avocado. <laughs> I had a bunch of fresh tuna here that I caught this year. Yes, yeah. that was good. Yeah. So I think I did okay for the first few days, but it was after I saw that room and. I would want to say that was a Sunday you checked in. I want to say by, you were in there 12 days. So I would probably say about a week later, all of a sudden I was getting overwhelmed, thinking to myself, here is a man who has worked many years, you know, 15 to 20, well, probably about, no, most of our marriage worked on your abuse issues, but right. not really worked on until he got sober. So we'll say 15, 16 years. 16 years. And so here I am, a man that I'm thinking to myself, here's this man who has worked really hard to get where he is today, to become the man that he is today. And all of a sudden I got overwhelmed with the thought of you put a man who has been abused locked up in a room. And his mind at this point was wandering. His mind was in crazy places. It was the following Sunday I sat in church with Pastor Paula 
and I get this text, come get me right now. <laughs> I want it I'm out. Not, come, no, it was come get me right now. I'm not getting any better in here. And I panicked. That was when it really set in. I thought his mind, he's not clear. He's hes going to places he doesn't need to be. And that's really really where it took me. You know, it, it, when it talks you know, about the abuse, I'm fortunate that all the work that I had done, because mm-hmm. I really didn't go there. I never thought about the abuse and being isolated like that. More cognitively, I was out of, out of balance. However, what I want to say, you know, you know, my our thing, both mine and Kathy's, we um, deal with abuse victims. And, and that how many people are in the hospital that are being isolated like that, and they have no idea that they were abused. And the nurses told you, well, we don't know what to do about it. Yeah, that. so I, I talked to the nurse, uh, I guess it was a day or so later. I said, I just need to share something with you. I said, I don't, you know, he is a survivor of abuse and you've got him locked in this room nobody comes in to visit and she really didn't know what to say and i think that's the nature across the board in the health field which is totally understandable they you know they've not been trained on how to help um victims of abuse of right. abuse at all no they haven't and i shared it with the doctor when i finally talked to him that day and he's like okay i see so it seemed i don't know just it, maybe you were getting better but it I just was seemed like better, yeah. a combination of him getting better them being aware of it kind of shifted things and it was just a couple days later that you were finally discharged it's like overnight they just i mean my oxygen levels were good yeah they got me up walking and my oxygen levels stayed above 90 so they they were okay with me you know, the fortunate part is we didn't. I didn't have to go on the on a ventilator. On a ventilator, yeah, that would have been a whole different right. story. And then, and then, um, I just had the COVID pneumonia, and I'm I'm almost completely healed of that. Getting I'm probably ninety five percent at this point. But then, you know, also going through what you went through too. You told me about um, the fear of what if something happened to yeah, me. Yeah, that was probably but one of the e- first times. Even after two thousand seven, yeah. you were you were one hundred percent confident in two thousand seven. Yeah. Right. But this time it was a little different. It was different. And I think life is different where we are today. I mean, 2007 was how many years ago? 14. Yeah, 14 years ago. We're 14 years older. Um, We have kids that are adults. We have five grandchildren. Our life is in a completely different place today. And I kind of all of a sudden started feeling like, oh, my gosh, this is serious. And when he came home is when I finally had to sit down and tell him that, that there was a lot of fear. And in that fear, I probably could have got into the hospital, but I was, I was afraid. I was really afraid to go in. I didn't want to be in an environment, first of all, where I was, wasn't supposed to be because that's just who I am. I'm not a rule breaker, but I was also afraid just to see what was going on and see really, even though I FaceTimed him every day and had him right here, I, um, I was just a little bit more fearful and, um, the process was different. What I did do differently this time, though, is I did uh, pick up and got back into just getting closer to God. And yeah. that was the blessing in all of that. I picked up my Jesus Calling devotional, yeah. and I've been doing that daily ever since. And I I think what happens for me is I forget when I've got this chaos or fear or a crisis going on in my life, I forget to stay connected. Um, but the beauty in all that is I have, we have, an amazing community of people that we rely on um, day in and day out, not just in struggles, but just in everyday life. And, you know, there were moments when I panicked and didn't know what to do. And I had, I was overwhelmed with work and I, I was having to work from home because of his exposure. I had to stay home for 10 days and work from home. 
And our community people just gathered up and prayed with us. They ran errands for me. Our daughter was like the go-to go person to keep everybody informed. I had friends running things down to the hospital, which is about a 25-minute drive down, 25 minutes back. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a good hour. Of the day yeah, again. yeah. So it was just, I mean, there was a lot of blessings in that fear and that reminder that I'm not alone. And he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake no. me. And nor is my community of people our no. Lord, that we do life with. And I think I talked a little bit on the last episode about our community and that in 2007, while we weren't, you know, back yeah. in the, the church and all that, we were heavily in the AA right. and we were very close to God at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, in that community, even. They, they stepped up. They yeah, stepped definitely. up. And, I mean, they were in the hallway of. I see you. And the nurse looked at Kathy and goes, who are all those people? That's his AA community. And the nurse goes, okay, fine. Let him in. I don't care. So, I mean, community, what kind of community that you have surrounding yourself is is really important. Um, Because even in 2007, I could feel the power of it. I could feel the power of the prayer even in a coma. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then even... even Subconscious. Because I couldn't pray. And, and, And this last time in, in uh, the hospital, cognitively, I couldn't even begin to pray, Right. Uh, even though I wasn't in a coma, but I felt the power of our community, like mm-hmm. Kathy says, we have a really good community. We've always, for the last 16 years, we've been surrounded yeah. by really strong communities of people yeah. that... People that, that truly, genuinely care about you, okay? that want to want to be there for you, right. want to help you, right. want to get you through your crisis. All right. So... <laughs> I think the one thing, too, just yeah, you yeah, said something ahead. about our community. During that time when I was a little more fearful, when I started hearing you wanting to get out of there, I, I sent you um, some YouTube worship. Yeah. And I think that helped shift things for you Yeah, it well. helped because I started listening to that at night um, yeah. when, I, when I go to sleep. Well, <laughs> sleep you get in You're the sleeping hospital, all day. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, so you know, um, you know, if you're a spouse of somebody that had COVID or has COVID or yeah. – or you have COVID, just, you know. Any type of a medical condition. Any type of a medical condition. You know, we have to be reminded that if you're the one going through the medical condition, and I've always said this, that your partner's going through it with you. They might not be struggling with the physical part, but believe me, they're going through it emotionally and spiritually with you. Probably probably even at a higher degree or a higher level. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're in a hospital, you, you don't. And so um, just have that compassion as much as you can for your partner if you're the one laying in a hospital bed. And therefore, they'll return. It's like it's like the prayer of St. Francis. It's better to understand than to be understood. And it's better to love than to be loved. Your, your understanding and your love will return tenfold. Right. It doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on. Mm-hmm. You've got to be loving and supportive of each other through everything. Yeah. Okay, you just, it's just, it's so important. And even if you don't believe in prayer, pray. What do you have to lose, right? I even mean, what do you have a, to lose? Even if it's just, and I remember hearing this early on in the recovery rooms too, because there's a lot of people that come in without oh. a belief in, in God. And so even if it's just, dear God, help me for today. Yeah. That's all it has to be. Oh. It doesn't have to be long. And oh. just practice that over and repeat it over yeah. and over and over. And you will feel the comfort. You will yeah. feel the shift. You will feel the change. And then as time goes on, you never know where it's going to lead you. Absolutely. Yeah. We all get there at different times, but that's it's okay a, it's a as process. long as we get there. 
Just believe. Yeah, just believe. Just believe one day at a time. Yeah. You know, I know it's a cliche, but it applies to everything mm-hmm. in life. So, hey, my, my wife and I, we do a lot of co- uh, couples counseling. Yeah. Um, we do. We, I mean, uh, we have a big thing on uh, on Saturday, the, the 12th, the 20th, the 12th, the 13th, the 13th. Saturday the thirteenth. <laughs> You're probably watching this after that, but we are we have twenty of our couples coming yeah. over for a big friends giving. So we, we we love to work with couples. We do a thing called Simba, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. Oh, it's a great assessment. You're certified it's, in that. I'm certified in it, yes, yes ma'am. Um, it's not a psychological exam or, or test, it's not assessment, it's not a personality, it's none of yeah. that. <laughs> just sees where you're lined up compared to where your spouse is. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful assessment. Um, and then I do one-on-one um, when it comes to sexual abuse. We work with families because the sexual abuse, our primary focus is men, but we also work with women. But the deal is we work with the families, which also have a... a uh, they're, they're affected. They're affected yeah. heavily by it. So you can check out our websites, Courageous Healers dot org or uh change your life story now.com change your life story dot <coughs> com you can check that see what we do and if any of this interests you just reach out shoot us a um an email or fill out the contact form on one of our websites and we'll get right back to you and you can also check out my book healing uh, healing the wounded child within and if you're a couple my my um Devotional, the 30-day devotional of the homeless. Both that's those great. books, that's a great thing for couples to read together, and there's some questions at the end. Both of them are available on Amazon. Kathy, thanks for coming. This was fun. Maybe yeah. I should quit my job so I could do this Well, yeah, I know, that, I, I, I know <laughs> that's part of our goal. Yeah, so, that is our goal. But I, I am going to have her back on talking about, with me about um, – what she kind of had, not what she kind of, what she did have to deal with as a spouse of a sexual abuse survivor that didn't know that didn't know there was hell. I, th- I think it's key. And that's my dog saying, that's enough, Dad. I want to see you. So yeah. anyways. <laughs> thanks, rem- for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming, babe. I appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Um, remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. And so does. So do I. Yeah. Be blessed, everybody. <laughs> have a great one. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>